welcome any guests or visitors that are here. My name is uh, Brady Testor from the pastor of the Calling Community Church. We have some incredible um, news that is bringing that down a little bit. We have some incredible news that's coming up this week. You, if you live in the six four zero seven nine zip code, more than likely you're going to get a postcard from our church inviting people to come. This will be our first major any kind of like push into the community to advertise, which we're excited about that, which we got some seats to fill up, so we got plenty of room to continue to grow. And then also, we were blessed with the chance to have a full-page ad in the Landmark newspaper, and all of this, all of the work and all of that kind of stuff was provided to us for free, which is such a blessing to, to just have God just pour out these these gifts to us, and so we're excited about what that's going to look like. We're going to have a big push for the holiday season that's coming up, which we know Christmas is a is not it's not just a reason to come to church because there's so much more to it, but it does draw people in. And families start coming back together, and they they all come, and so we are excited about the potential of what that's going to do for for the Calling Community Church. Well, I want to welcome those who are listening to the podcast. I got a, in a really neat encouragement from a girl named Emily. So hi, Emily, who listens every week because she doesn't live here in the community, but she does call this her church. And so she listens via the podcast. Plus, I wanted to say uh, um, hi to my mom. Happy Thanksgiving, mom. I'll see you on that day. Can't wait for that pie that you showed me on Facebook. That's going to be, it's going to be good. And speaking of Thanksgiving, I wanted to, to, to encourage you to take some time this week to focus on this idea, and this is Philippians chapter 4, this is one of my favorite verses, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And so just this week, I want to be thinking about what are the things that we are grateful for, thankful for, and we can present our requests to God, and then it says, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And so holidays can bring about even some anxious times and anxious thoughts and just dealing with, with different things going on. Uh, I just know in my family, every year it's a little bit different dynamic in our family and trying to figure out who's going to go where and how are we going to meet up together. And, and so we can be anxious about those times, even though they're joyous times, we still have some anxiety that comes with it. So I want to encourage you to allow God to guard your heart and your mind this, this Thanksgiving season. Well, speaking of being anxious, I have to tell this story because it's funny and it just makes me, it just makes me look even more real. <laughs> so here's the deal. So Friday morning, Friday morning, some of you, some of you might not be aware, but I have a, a really odd part-time job. I am a substitute for the Kansas City, for the KC Wolf. So I dress up in the goofy costume, and I go to different places. I'm not at the games. I'm not the famous guy. I just kind of do the other stuff that are on the side. And so I, was, I had an opportunity to go on Friday morning to this event. And so I'm getting my stuff together, and I'm, I'm, we're trying to decide because we have four drivers, four different cars, and it's always a, always a guess, like, which car has enough gas in it to get the furthest away. So we're trying to figure out, okay, who's going where and whatever. So I thought Eliza, our youngest daughter, was going to take her car, and so I handed her the keys, and then I was going to take the, um, I was going to take another vehicle and whatever. Well, anyway, she decided just to ride with her sister, and she handed me back the keys, and I, I guess I obviously put them in my hoodie pocket, not knowing it, so they had left, and then I was like, oh no, 
her car is blocking the van and we only have one set of keys. I'm stuck. What am I going to do? It's like, well, I got this old truck and it's on an eighth of a tank of gas and I could probably make it there and make it back. And so frustrated. So then you know what you do. You get out your phone. You're calling your teenagers. And you think, okay, they, they haven't got to school yet. And so we'll call Eliza because she's in the passenger seat because the driver shouldn't be picking up the phone and texting and talking, right? And so Eliza, she doesn't answer her phone. Well, so then we keep calling and we keep calling. Nobody's answering the phone. And my anxiety level is starting to grow. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had one of those moments where, where you're just, you just lose all rational thinking because all of a sudden you're in the moment? I get, to the, I get to where I'm going. I'm calling the school saying, would you find my daughters and tell one of them to call me immediately, you know? Well, of course, they don't call me. You know what they call? They call their mom because their mom's going to treat them differently than their dad is going to treat them. And so, they, well, of course, she got on them a little harder even than I did. And so they call their mom, and I'm like, okay. So when Emma finally calls me back, she, she's like, Dad, Eliza says she gave you the keys. And I'm like, what? She did. I reach in my hoodie pocket, and I'm like, we'll talk about this later. <laughs> it's like, all right, immediately I realize I'm an idiot. I had the keys the whole time. I didn't have to go through any of this. And I'm like, and I had made a commitment. I, have you ever done this? Have you ever made a commitment, let's say, like to um, get this, like this holiday season, I'm not going to do this. Or, or I'm, from now on, I'm going to really try hard not to raise my voice at my girls. I'm just really going to try to just be more logical and think and listen, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I'm going to try to follow that, right? Well, you know, as soon as you make that commitment, guess what happens? You get faced with an opportunity to put that into practice. And I was really trying hard that morning, and I realized, you know what? I was the one who caused all the problems. I had the keys the whole time. So what did I have to do as a dad? I had to say some words that are really hard to say as a dad to your kids. What is it? It's your mom's fault, all right? <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> no, I just talked about marriage last week, and I don't want to cause any problems in my marriage. So I was like, you know what? It's my bad. I was wrong. I had the keys the whole time. I could have avoided and, but I wouldn't have had this cool story to tell this morning. So there you go. God always works all things together for the good of those who love him, even something like that. So if you get anxious, pray that prayer this holiday season. Right, so let's, let's, let me read to you what we believe about creation. Because this morning we're talking about creation and in human life. We're just going to put it all together, obviously, because God created human life. And so we're just going to put it all into one. And this is the last of our, our series about what it is that we believe as a church. And then next week, I'm excited because we're jumping into the Advent season, getting ready for the coming of Christ, His light into the world, His love into the world. And so it's going to be, it's going to be a good time the next four weeks. So this is what we believe about creation and human life. It says this, We believe in the Genesis, Genesis account of creation and that it is to be accepted literally, not figuratively. That man was created directly in God's own image and after his own likeness, and all animal and vegetable life was created directly by God. All right, so there's a couple different ways to look at this. And in the Christian world, and, and for the most part, for, from years past, leading up to maybe just, I don't know, maybe 50 years ago or so, the, the only way that Christians would look at creation was that God created everything in six days, 24, in six 24-hour days, right? That's the literal creation. Now, I'll just... I'll just give it away quickly. That's, that's what I believe the Bible says, and that's what I believe. Now, there has been some, some, another view that people have taken called the day-age view, 
And this is that creation events occurred as depicted in Genesis 1, but instead of six 24-hour days, the days cre- represented like an a undeterminable um, t- period of time. Like they couldn't decide exactly how much time between each day. Now sometimes they would call this a progressive creationism. Now it's an attempt to, to reconcile the Genesis creation with an account of an old earth. There are some who would say that the earth is very, very old, or the universe itself is billions of years old, and the earth might be younger than the universe, but they're trying to figure out a way to kind of pull that all together. Now, here's the deal. Both of these views obviously reject evolution. They reject evolution. And, but that's not the only view. There's only, that's just two that I talked about. It, we, we could, it, it could just boggle your mind. And I don't think it's worth, it's not, to me, it's not worth talking about. It's not worth going all those different directions. We don't know exactly how old the universe is. I mean, how can we really know for sure or how old the earth is? <coughs> Excuse me. And I really believe if God wanted us to know all of that, if that was a, a detail that really mattered to us, then he would have revealed that to us. But in Isaiah 55, eight, uh, 55 verse 8 and 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your, or, or your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Like, there's, like there are things that obviously God understands and knows that we will never know. And are, and are we okay with that? I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that because God is, is just... Is just other than us. He's just greater than us. And he holds all of this um, in his hands. But here's a few things that we do know. And, and I just, just grabbed a few little things that just kind of get us started on the creation thing. The sun is the closest of all of the stars to the planet Earth. And it's 93 million miles away. I mean, that's a really long trip to Grandma's house. 93 million miles away. Now, the sun is one of just a billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy, which is where we live, and it's just one galaxy among a billion galaxies. One star, the sun is, in, in the midst of millions or billions. One million Earths could fit inside the sun. That just gives you an idea of how small we are compared just to the size of the sun. The sun gives off more energy in one second than man has produced since Adam and Eve. One second. The energy we have on earth from the sun is one billionth of the energy produced by the sun. We're only utilizing one billionth of that energy. But the sun is not the biggest star. Not by a long shot, really. There's one that that circumference is 250 times larger than the sun. 250 times larger than the sun. It's called Eta Carini. And, it's, and it might not even be the biggest one. This is the biggest one that they've discovered, and it could be bigger, bigger than that. It is 7,500 light years away, and it's a million times brighter than the sun. That's just one universe that we're speaking of in the midst of billions of universes. The sun's powerful, right? But not nearly as powerful as the God who created it, spoke it into existence, and holds it in the palm of his hand. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1, because that's where, that's where it all begins. So turn in your Bibles. Genesis 1, 
So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, or saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water um, from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear, and it was so. I love that. And it was so. Like, God said it, and it was so. God called the dry ground land, and he, then he gathered the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds, and it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds, and God, God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. And that's obviously the sun and the moon. And he also made the stars. Billions of stars. God said let them, let them or set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God saw that the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that it moves about in it according to their own kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them. He blessed the animals. He said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let land produce living creatures according to their kinds. The livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God said it and it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And this is interesting. I want you guys to, to I, just as reading through this, I, I've kind of discovered something, something new. And that's the thing about God's Word. You, it, just never, it just never fails to reveal something new about who God is and teaches us something new about us. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours 
for food. Notice, guys, he didn't say anything about steak. At least not yet. That's coming later. (laughs) And all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. It makes me think that all the animals at that particular time uh, ate plants. They weren't carnivores. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good, and there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Do you know it wasn't until after the flood? Do this. Turn over to Genesis 9. Genesis 9. This is Genesis 9, verse 1. Now, obviously, there's a lot of stuff that's happened between what I just read, the creation, the beginning, and then leading up to uh, Genesis chapter 9. This is after the flood, and God makes a covenant with Noah, and then God blessed Noah and his son, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall on all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds in the sky, and on every creature that moves along the ground, and on all the fish in the sea, they were given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you, just as I gave you green plants. I now give you everything. To me, that is fascinating. Up until that point, the, the diet was different. And then he says, now the animals will fear you. <laughs> Up until that point, there, wouldn't it have been amazing to see what that would have been like? And, and it'll be like that someday, again, you know, in paradise, in heaven, but, but obviously now it's not that way. And to me, it just gives you a little bit of picture about the effects of sin in our world. God created us to live in perfection, to experience life. We weren't created for death. We weren't created to experience certain things. But God did something that we'll find out later on that created in the way that he created man how, it was, how he created man so much different than he created everything else. And one of those things is the, the fact that he gave us free will. Now I want you to, there's a little homework for you, alright? If you have a pen, I want you to write this down. Here's a little homework. If you, if you want to gather some, some more information, a little more detail about creation, listen to, to God's account to Job in Job 38 through 42, okay? Now, I, I'm just going to just address this issue really quickly. A lot of times you talk about creation, there's always this question, what about the dinosaurs? Tell me about the dinosaurs. Did they exist? How long ago did they exist? All this other stuff. And there's some interesting stuff in Job 38 through 42 that you'll find some descriptions that make you think, hmm, what he's talking about could actually describe something as big as a dinosaur. And it doesn't mean that all dinosaurs were massively huge. Some of them were small. And the fact that they, obviously before the flood, all animals ate plants and vegetation. They didn't eat each other. And it could be that maybe after the flood, man decided, hey, those things look tasty, and let's just start eating them. 
or killing them or whatever it was. You know, who knows? I'm not an expert in this particular field, obviously, but there's just, Scripture tells us enough so that we, we can have faith and believe and trust. Now, here's the deal. Some people would say that even the first 11 chapters of Genesis is just a Hebrew myth. It's just a mythical story because all these other cultures in the world have stories about creation. Some of them are very similar to our story of creation. Like in every culture and every tribe and everything that they've ever been able to find with um, all kinds of uh, finding archaeological evidence is that there's always a story about a great flood in every culture. There's no denying of that. But the thing that sets us apart, obviously, as in our story of creation is that there's only one God. Like they would, they would even say that maybe creation was a result of many gods fighting over creation. Like, no, I want to do it. No, I want to do it. No, I'm gonna, I could do a better job than you could. And then just boom, it existed. But obviously, we don't believe that's true. We believe in the literal account of God creating. And God doesn't give us a full history of detail after detail of what it's like. For one, this story is a history for us to look back and see where it is that we came from and how God got us to the place we're at and to help us look forward to where it is that we're going to go someday. Some would say, well, okay, if it's just a myth, then the story of, of marriage and all that stuff is just a myth. Well, why did Jesus quote it in Matthew 9? Why did Jesus talk about marriage and man, male and female becoming one, leaving their father and mother? And You know, if Jesus is talking about it in the New Testament, and he's quoting Scripture, then it just gives us even further evidence that it wasn't a myth, that it's reality, it's true. It's something that we should put our faith and belief in. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens tell the, about the glory of God. The sky show that His hands created them. Psalm 33, 6-9 says, The heavens were made when the Lord commanded it to happen. All of the stars were created by the breath of His mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together. He puts the oceans in their places. Let the whole earth have respect for the Lord. Let all of the people in the world honor him. He spoke and the world came into being. He commanded and it stood firm. And as human beings, that should cause us to be in awe. Now, if that's not enough, look at the person next to you. Seriously, look at the person next to you. Say the stars are pretty cool. The animals, yeah, they're all right too. But you, God did good when he made you. Because you're created different. And that's where we get into this thought about human life. But I want to read a couple more things to you real quick before we get there. Look at um, Romans 1. Romans 1. I know where it's at this time, Jacob. Jacob won't have to tell me where it's at. <laughs> he helped me out last week. I think last week, not being able to find that little book of Ecclesiastes set me off for a whole bad, it was just a bad week. It ended, started bad, ended bad. So Romans 1 verse 20. It says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. 
So God, what I truly believe is through creation, and obviously through human beings especially, but through creation itself, God is just screaming out, Hello! I'm here! You don't have to look very far to find me. I'm right here. And I want you to worship me. I want you to love me. I want you to experience the love that I have for you. And, and yeah, we can find it in creation. I know for some of you hunters, the most worshipful thing that you might experience is when you're all alone in a tree stand. And then your pastor sends you a voice message and probably scares the deer away or something like that. But that's the most worshipful thing. Not that that's ever happened, but anyway. So that's sometimes the most worshipful thing because you're in God's creation and you're just breathing in fresh air. So maybe the only time in your day you get to be still. And God just says, be still and know that I'm God. Okay, while we're in Romans, look back just a little bit to Acts 17. I've, I've read this before. I, lo- I love it when I have a reason to go back and read something that I really, really am passionate about. And I love this, this story. Paul is talking to some, some people who, who believe in a lot of gods, but they don't believe in the one true God. They even call God an unknown God. And this is, this is, what, this is a little discourse that Paul gives in, Rome, or in Acts, or Acts chapter 17, verse 24. It says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord. He's the master. He's the owner of heaven and earth. And he does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. For one man, from one man, it said, he made all of the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Why? Why? Why did God create all of this in the first place? Like, what is the purpose? And here's the thing. We must understand that from creation, from creation of everything and in everyone, there is a purpose. There is divine reason for it. And as human beings, God even placed in us this desire to figure out what that reason is. The the ultimate question of why am I here, right? Why do I exist? Why do I have breath to breathe in? And now why am I here this morning? What is God doing? Is he he doing anything? Is he trying he's still trying to get my attention? And Paul says, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from any of us. He's right here. We don't have to go searching for God. Sometimes all we have to do is just turn around. There he is. (laughs) All right, so what about what about people? Let us go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 2. So Genesis chapter 2, he gives a little bit more detail about the creation of, of humans. Kind of gives that a little more airtime because I think it's important. So as you turn it back there, how many of you have heard um, 
the song. There, well, we do a modern version of it. Uh, how great is our God? And it goes into how great thou art. It's a familiar song for a lot of you, yeah? That's right. How great thou art. It was written actually as a poem in the 19, well, in the 1920s it was actually rediscovered and turned into a song, but it was written by a Swedish preacher named Carl Boberg in 1885, and the name of the poem was O Stor Gud, which means O Great God. And a missionary um, and his wife, they, they were in Poland, and they actually had read the poem and saw a, a Russian version of the poem, and they actually put English words to it and put a little, a little tune to it, and that's how the song came about. But it was, the verses came out of a time where this missionary was standing in a village in Russia, in a, up on a mountain, and a storm was rolling in. And from that comes, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the mighty thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, right? My Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Creation causes us to worship. Creation itself worships God. And it causes man. The man that God created different. And listen to what it says in Genesis 2. Genesis 2, verse 4 through 9. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, and he into his nostrils. He gave this man the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In this man, God put something inside of him different than any other thing that he created. And for one, he breathed into a man a conscience. Think about that. A conscience to call us to reflect. Reflect on things that had already have occurred, things that are going on right now. Conscious to cause us to think about what's going, going to happen in the future. It causes us to look back and to look to where did this come from. It actually causes man to look for God. Because every single one of us and every single person you've ever come in contact, whether they believe that God exists or not, feels something when, they, when they've done something wrong or something that's happened to them or they have a memory and, and they have to wonder, where does that come from? 
What, how does that exist? Like, what, what, why is, am I different than the animal? Because it seems like if, if you have a dog, dogs do not have a conscience. They might feel bad for a moment, and then they just get over it really quickly. Right? I know Dan and Janae have a dog, and it tears up their couch, you know? That dog has no conscience. They're just, animals are just different. You know, my dog knows when it's done something wrong, but it'll do the same wrong thing over and over and over again. But, but people are different. God breathed into man this breath of life, and it gives us this ability to, to ask not only, like, why am I here, where am I from, but, but what should I do with this life that God has given me? And so then it goes on to say in 20 through 22, so the man... Uh, gave names to all the livestock, all the birds in the sky, and all the, all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And then creation was, was done. And I said last week, right, ladies, God saved the best for last. Some of you gave a hearty amen to that because you know, you know it's true. Now, creation is complete. Man was not complete. And then God brings woman to him, and now he is complete, able to do all that God has called him to do. Here's what we believe about human life. Let me find the uh, my paper here. We believe that all human life is sacred from fertilization throughout the entire natural human life. That human beings are created in His image and as such are to be protected that the weak, vulnerable, handicapped, preborn, and needy deserve our respect and our care. Other than Adam and Eve, every single one of us started our existence as one tiny little cell and from that cell grew you a little nine-year-old girl who just had her birthday yesterday she started the size of a period at the end of a sentence think about that now the stars blow me away animals make me think oh, that's amazing but to think about that causes me to just be in awe how God grew these two beautiful little girls inside of my wife. And that was one of the, the fruits of man and woman coming together. And those human lives are valuable. A few nights ago, we got a phone call that there was a friend of ours not very, very long in her pregnancy, into the second trimester. And she was starting to go into labor way, way too early. And we rushed to the hospital. We were only there for a short time, and she delivered her little peach, this little human life. Obviously, the baby didn't survive. But that human life has a purpose. There's a reason for that. We don't know what. We don't know why. We don't know yet what we can learn from that. 
But there's a grieving process that goes into losing this precious little life. Okay, so it, 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 she didn't grow full term, or he, he didn't grow full term, and he didn't come out and cry, but he's still a human life. Right? And we, we see the value in that. The information contained in your DNA. If you just think about the size of a pinhead, all of the information that's contained in your DNA in that size of this pinhead would fill enough books to stack 500 times higher than the moon. Just in one little piece of information in your body. One little cell. And your body's made up of trillions of cells. It would require a lot of faith to believe that somebody didn't design that. A lot of faith. Once again, you look at the person next to you. and Say, God did good. He made you. And, and if that's not enough to cause us to worship, I mean, we think the sun is is big and we might be small, but we as humans are the jewel of God's creation. Why do you think God created us? What do you think? Some would say to torture us. To take out his anger and his wrath on mankind, on people. No. Why do you think God created us? To worship him. To know him. To know Him and to make Him known. God is a relational God. Do we, I mean, none of us like to be alone. Now, there are times where it's okay to be alone. Just get away, you know. Especially if we're, very, if we're introverted, we like to get away. I'm, I am not an introvert, if you didn't know that, by the way. I like relationships. I like being around people. But even there are times where I need to be alone. But we as human beings were not created to be by ourselves. I mean, Adam was alone and God made a suitable helper for him. We're better together than we could be on our own. We can accomplish so much more. I know in this in church life we can accomplish so much more because of the people that come together to make it make it happen. Human beings are created unlike anything else. So listen what is, this is a you don't have to turn there but this is in the message uh, version of the Bible in Psalm 139. It's a very familiar passage. It says, "Oh yes, you shaped me first inside and then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. And I thank you, high God. You are breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watch me grow from the conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I had even lived one day. The psalmist in Psalm 139 was, was writing this. And human beings are loved with an everlasting love. The next verse in in a, oh, or, our, or how great is our God, or, um, I'm losing my train of thought again. How great thou art. Here's the next verse. Evidence of God loving us 
And when I think that God, His Son not sparing, sent Him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, He bled and died to take away my sin. Even in the fall of man, God still had a plan, especially maybe in the fall of man. God had a plan. You know it says in Scripture that God created all things through Christ so that then Jesus could then redeem all things unto himself. It's a powerful thought. Jesus was the only one able and worthy to redeem mankind unto himself. And God is in the process of redeeming creation every single day, every single moment of every single day. He is in the process of redeeming you and me. And thank goodness that God is patient with us, right? He's patient with human beings. When we do not treat each other the way that we should treat one another, when we do not worship Him the way we were created to worship Him, God is patient. And we are commanded to love Him because He loves us first. And we're commanded to love others. So, as we finish up our time, as we think about how we value and treasure human life, what is our role as a church? What is our role as, as followers of Jesus? Proclaiming love in practical ways. One of the ways that we can proclaim practical love to people we don't even know is by, is by taking a box and saying, I'll put the food that's required in it. I'll bring it back next week and it'll be a blessing to someone. That's a way that we can be a blessing to help so, someone that's maybe less fortunate than we are. There are people around us all the time that are, that are less fortunate, that are needy, or that are hurting, or, or different than we are. We can be the hands and feet of Jesus to those people, reaching out to them and helping them and being generous and giving and providing and whatever it is we feel like God has called us to do. And then... We can also talk to them about this God who created all things, right? We can use it as an opportunity to tell them about this amazing creation. We can use creation itself. So just look around you and see how incredible this is. And then look at yourself. Look at the way God created you. There's something to this. We should consider this. And we can use it as a, a way to share the gospel with someone, the good news of Jesus Christ. Because here's the deal. This world is not all there is. The small little planet in the middle of billions of stars is not all there is. Because listen, the end of the song. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, my God, how great thou art. There is a beginning to this world and someday there's going to be an end. Jesus is coming back to redeem His creation. To make all things new. So I ask you this morning, are you prepared for that? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you allowed Him to love you, His creation, have you decided to love him back? We encourage you to do that today.
Let me pray, and then we're gonna, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to show a video. It's called Indescribable. It's a beautiful song, video of creation. And we'll be taking up um, the offering at the same time. And during the song, if you say, you know, I just feel like I just need to come and I need to pray. If there's anything, anything that you need prayer for, uh, we're going to continue to just make this place available um, for you to come. So, Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and we thank you that you had a purpose for this world that we live in. And you have a purpose for each individual human life that is represented here today. You have a purpose for us to reach out and to bless those that are not here, those that are less fortunate than we are. You have a, you have a plan for us to do that, God. And I pray that we would discover you, not only just here in this moment, but we would discover you each and every day of our life as we look around us and we see all the works that you have made. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Father, we are just in awe. We're in awe of the fact that you created all of this, um, not, just, not just for us, God, but you created it to, for your glory, to reveal yourself to the, to the world. And, um, Lord, we get a chance to participate in it, and we're, and we're grateful for that. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. We thank you for the gifts that have been given. And God, I pray that it will be a blessing. It will be a blessing not only um, to, uh, to me and my family, but God, it's a blessing to this, to this community so that we can reach out to all human life so that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus to those who need it. God, we praise you. Uh, Lord, we walk away this morning hopefully knowing more about, about what you've created and why you've created us, God. We pray a blessing right now upon those that are here. God, walk with them um, as they walk out of this place. Uh, bring them back safely in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, guys, remember, if you can, here's the deal. On each one of these boxes is just a, some information about Day of Hope, and it has in there, it says food, and there's just some items that you can put in there. You can put other things in there, too, if you want, and then bring them back, and next week we'll just put them up on the stage. And we will then deliver those, um, I think it was like a few days later, I'll take them out to the Rock of KC, and then they'll be distributed the following Saturday on December the 6th, where families are going to come, they're going to be given a box of food, families that have been adopted, their, their children will get gifts, plus there's other services available. This is, this is us getting involved in what the community is doing, we don't even have to reproduce this, it's, it's, it's just amazing. You know what, the Platte County Health Department the, the director of the Platte County Health Department loves Jesus. And she is a part of making this happen. And so it's really cool how God just uses things in our community to, to let other people know about him. And plus, we bless other people at the same time. So I'd encourage you guys to be a part of that. All right, thanks for being here.